This is Dr. Charles Parker, and you're listening to Core Brain Journal. It's the place where I connect both fresh discoveries and interesting different perspectives from advanced mind science with the realities of real people and everyday life down on Main Street. Well, welcome aboard, folks. Dr. Charles Parker here one more time, and we go from one interesting, very interesting guest to another, and you folks are going to love talking to Alicia Miller tonight or listening to her. She's going to be talking to you, but you know, in these conversations with a podcast, it's like you're just joining in the conversation with a couple of people who are interested in the same, very same things that you're interested in. Welcome, Alicia. Look forward to talking to you. Thanks, Chuck. I'm very excited to be here and to talk to you. It's going to be so much fun. We're really on the same path. And so what I'm going to do is just do a brief little uh, introduction of our uh, sponsors, and then we'll come in and we'll get a full-on introduction of Alicia, and we'll get right into what she's going to tell us about, which has to do with a whole deeper experience of tragedies and difficulties that you can actually put into practical, useful recovery terms. We'll be back in just a moment on that. So CBJ listeners already know how much we love the reality of data here at CBJ. And today we welcome our clinical friend and new sponsor partner, Direct Health Access Laboratory with over 3 million studies and their very profound peer-reviewed evidence. They are deep leaders of experience with the big picture of measuring, for example, methylation, cryptopyrrole, and copper challenges. Who cares? Well, it, they all affect brain function, folks, and we've got documentation to prove it. And we've interviewed some important people on Corbray Journal to talk about that. Direct Health Access provides a global service with a molecular focus. Stay tuned more in mid-episode. And CBJ listeners also know how much we appreciate detailed improvements of mind care on many different levels, and today we're pleased to welcome an additional new sponsor and partner with a deep interest in comprehensive, fresh options to address the complexity of adolescent treatment failure. Yes, nationally and international. Internationally, pardon me. For 80 years, the nonprofit Barry Robinson Center teams in Norfolk, Virginia, provide residential care on an evolved family interpersonal, and indeed global level, and they are TRICARE friendly. More later, we'll talk about that mid-episode. So let me introduce Alicia to you. She is, has a personal healing journey, one of compassion and deep unconditional love that has given her the gifts to help men and women experience their own acceptance and freedom. In our culture and most of our families, we do not receive the support to process many of our emotions, and so we continue to repress them by distracting and numbing ourselves, and through controlling and addictive behaviors, we keep trying to get it right, and it doesn't work. Alicia realized that unprocessing emotions causes chronic emotional and physical symptoms, as, uh, pardon me, I didn't say, the unprocessing gets, gets you well, that the unprocessed emotions themselves cause the chronic emotional and physical symptoms. Sorry, I misread that, Alicia. And, and so she helps her clients to see the symptoms and triggers as a gift to value all their emotions as a necessary part of their authentic selves and build their recovery therefrom. Alicia's own extensive journey uh, has begun in a 
uh, healing systemic candida, which was one of the reasons I wanted to talk to her because, of course, you know we're interested in some of these biomedical problems that go undiscovered. And it gave her the experience to guide hundreds to freedom from digestive problems, chronic fatigue, anxiety, depression, autoimmune disease, eating disorders, codependency, get that word, addictions, poor body image, and perfectionism by healing the emotional root that was a cause. And what she wanted to do is to uh, have and help them live a fulfilled and inspired life in the process. So she's an author. She's written a book, uh, Detox 101, uh, another one called One Crazy Broccoli and What's Left to Eat. And she's writing her own book called Your Symptoms are a gift. We got true bonding on that point. It's an inspirational guide to help readers take action and ownership of their well-being and to help heal them from physical, emotional, and relationship challenges. Thanks so much, Alicia, for joining us. So tell us about where you are now, what you're doing, and give us a little idea of kind of who you are as a person to start that narrative. Who am I? Who am I? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what do you do? When, yeah, yeah, a little bit about you personally. <laughs> uh, well, personally, my life is uh, drastically different than it used to be, and I am uh, really in my full, I believe, expression of my gifts and uh, my partnership with my husband, who's uh, doing the same work as I am. And uh, we're just having fun traveling and helping mm -hmm. people heal themselves and their relationships and their bodies. Mm -hmm. uh, so we have three dogs. <laughs> we love to travel and we're lucky to have people that stay at our house and take care of our dogs while we travel. So. Fantastic. Fantastic. So do you, with your courses do you have let's talk about what you actually do together let's get a little bit of an idea of the application of these ideas and then we'll talk more about how that candida took you down the path yeah sure uh i developed a core emotional system for healing and so it's a core um emotional healing model uh that actually i have uh taught to my husband who's a clinical psychologist and so he's using it in his practice with his clients and we use it uh, together with our work with couples now I work mostly with women because the model that I develop works most effectively in groups and uh, the women that I work with a lot of candida um, sufferers uh, come to me because they've tried everything else uh, on a physical level treatments modalities energy healing you name it and nothing's working and so they realize that it must be emotional but they don't know what to do so I lead them through a, a very deep, uh, supported, safe space um, in my programs, which are in person in retreats in Costa Rica or online during a 60-day core initial process. Um, and I do women only with the group setting because uh, most women have experienced a lot of trauma and abuse from men. So this creates a safe space for them to be supported uh, to heal from that. Mm -hmm. And so I also work with some men who are very sensitive and intuitive healing types. I work with them um, privately, but my husband works with um, most of the men that uh, come to me and I refer them to him because uh, he works with men in groups as well and privately. So where do you go in Costa Rica? 
Uh, I, <laughs> we, we found the perfect place for the type of work that we do. My uh, friend and colleague, Janet Raftis, uh, does the retreat with me. She's an energy healer, so it complements the deep emotional work. And mm-hmm. we found this place on a crystal mountain. Uh, it's it's five-star, luxurious wellness retreat uh, mm. called called the retreat <laughs> oh it is oh that's yeah. interesting huh mm-hmm. well that would be a fun it'd be a fun trip because you could go have transformation on a number of levels yeah all at one, all at one time Definitely. so let's talk about that personal self-discovery thing that whole candida thing you know we've we've been interested in it as i mentioned before at core brain journal and and in my own practice clinically uh how did you discover it and then how did that actually take you to this next level of of uh, emotions as they relate to candida? Oh, yes. Well, um, I knew I had candida overgrowth for many, many years, and I was just kind of managing it like most people do or treating it here and there. And I was, I was constantly detoxing and cleansing uh, and trying every supplement and program I could get my hands on for maybe 10 years. And then I went on a kind of somewhat spiritual journey to discover myself and follow my heart. And I moved to Thailand to research the healing and detox retreats over there. And when I was there, I uh, got confirmation that I had systemic candida. And then I made the commitment there to finally heal and would do whatever it took. And so I did a really strict diet for about a year and a half and uh, a lot of tons of supplements. Um, I saw a lot of holistic practitioners. I did, uh, you know, vibrational therapy and everything I could really get my hands on, acupuncture. Uh, and then I, I would kind of notice the, the flare-up of symptoms with my, uh, um, not even emotional state, but certain patterns. Whenever I didn't believe in myself or I'd give my power away or I didn't feel supported, my bloating would flare up. Mm-hmm. So I started to notice it there, uh, but I didn't make the full emotional connection until I got back to Atlanta and into a relationship that was an old pattern of mine, a codependent one, mm-hmm. uh, where I gave up my needs uh, for uh, for crumbs, really. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and, and then- Both my, literally and physically. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I thought I was healed from Candida at that point. Mm-hmm. And, my, uh, and I was a little restricted from food and I was still experiencing emotional eating. So that kind of never went away. And then uh, those are all related to the same root cause I discovered. So in the relationship, my symptoms flared up again. So I had extreme yeast um, infections and bloating. And I just had this aha. I was like, this has got to be emotional because I wasn't eating anything or drinking anything that would have, you know, fed it. So uh, I actually had a um, healing session with my friend Janet, who does the retreats with me because she had a parallel healing um, journey as well with Candida and codependency and giving her power away as well. So uh, we, during a healing session with her, she saw that it was really my inner child knocking to come out and that there was more work for me to do to help myself feel 
lovable and um, and and process more repressed anger and and so I applied the the work I was doing with clients and training that I've had over the years and I really uh, created this model um, from my own experience of what worked for me uh, in doing the inner child work and um, processing emotions, setting boundaries, and really uh, supporting myself on an emotional level and listening to my emotions, which ultimately healed me from my candida symptoms. And I never needed to restrict my diet again, and I didn't have emotional eating anymore. And then I met my soulmate, Doug, Mm -hmm. shortly Mm -hmm. after that, Mm because I felt lovable and I found someone I finally loved and supported me because I was doing that to my for myself. I mean, that sounds so beautiful. I want to ask you some questions, though. Forgive me for putting my psychiatric hat on because I know I know our audience is asking some questions just because I know them well. And the first thing is, and this is uh, I'm going to be careful about saying this because yeast is more than just a private inflammation. You know, when you say systemic yeast, you're talking about really throughout your body. When you're talking about bloating, you're talking about your bowel. You're talking about, I think a lot of women think it's just vaginal. You know, it's mm-hmm. just, that's where, that's where you get it. And that's, and they think about yeast that way. We talk about it with women very often. And what you're saying is, Hey, that may be a sign of a, of a, you haven't said this, but I'm putting words in your mouth. Correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Because uh, that that a, a person can have a uh, a localized yeast infection, but they could also have a systemic, and that systemic is frequently associated with bowel. Is that is that correct? Correct. Yes. Okay. So when you when you're saying systemic, it's a differentiation, but it doesn't necessarily differentiate you out if you only have a localized infection. Correct. Because the localized infection could be a sign. Yes. Okay. So then the other thing I thought was really important was the phrase of codependency. A lot of people, even today, don't really understand the nuance of that term and, and what that means. And then we'll talk just a little bit briefly about the inner child and, and, and finding that because people need some structure to the language and so on. And codependency just as a by the by uh, is, can be used. This is, I'm telling you my opinion. So we just, you know, I haven't talked to the audience about this. Okay. So this is like you and me talking about it for the first time and the audience is here. But I wrote a book years ago in 92 called Deep Recovery. And I was really taking issue because I was working in addiction medicine with the codependency label because so many people were using it uh, reductionistically. Uh, And really, what the codependency original meaning is if if you're married to a person who is an alcoholic, mm-hmm. that the person who's married to the alcoholic is codependent on the alcohol. And my assertion all along is that they're dependent on the person and that the alcohol is only a byproduct of the whole thing. To say codependency then takes it away from the real underlying meaning of that person's uh, internal challenge with themselves in relationships, period. Mm-hmm. that that same thing would go on if the person wasn't an alcoholic you know there would so that was one thing is there, are you do you agree with me or do you do you have yes different? i mean both uh people are codependent in that relationship absolutely high five that's yeah. the way i think so I, in fact the, the counter dependency is codependency mm-hmm. yeah. i had a i had a drug addict come in who was uh, going to federal penitentiary for being arrested in new jersey with a van full of heroin 
and he ran running a three day a three state heroin operation you know and so he came he was a very cool nice guy you know a dude a, a definite street dude and he came in in his mercedes and and i i was kind of joking because he got i said look you know you, and were, it was in a, he was admitted for an addiction treatment briefly i said you know, and you, my friend, are a codependent. You probably didn't know that. He says, oh, my gosh, I'm not a codependent. <laughs> and, the, and the conversation went on from there, you know, he's going because that was exactly what we were talking about. Mm-hmm. So the issue then is we got some terms on the table. Now let's hear you talk about some of that thing with candida, what you did for candida. Do you do anything medically for it or do you rely just on the, oh, yeah. the, okay, so go ahead. I did everything. <laughs> I started off medically, and mm-hmm. and then I did it more naturally with uh, diet and natural antifungals and uh, replenishing my depleted everything. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hormones and mm-hmm. all of that, and did a lot of cleansing, um, a ton of cleansing, and uh, saunas, and I mean, seriously, I tried everything. And mm-hmm. I uh, did, I mean, I, when I was in Thailand, I felt really, really good. I, uh, my brain fog cleared up after a couple months, my skin cleared up eventually after a year or so. And, uh, but my digestion, my digestion and my bloating uh, continued. Um, and that, that didn't go away until I did the emotional work. That's uh, very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah that's where our emotions are, you know, Mm -hmm. we're not processing them. Uh, When I say that, if there's repressed anger, uh, that typically will um, just create everything stopped up there and not flowing. Mm -hmm. So you were carrying it. Now we get down to the child within question, which was Mm -hmm. the third one of those questions. And where, how does all that work? Do you do as they do in some of the places like the Karen Foundation, for example, where you do the, the enactments and the uh, visualization, the activity? Could you talk to people a little bit about that? Sure. Uh, it's just a process that came through me. I didn't study it anywhere, even though I've, I know John Bradshaw's work uh, very well. Uh, and I, I approach it in a different way um, where I, I do inner child sessions and do a guided meditation with them and uh, connect them in a very deep way. And I'm very skilled at um, responding to what's happening in the moment for the person. It's impossible to do inner child work on your own because the person, as you most likely know, will start um, putting their own uh, ways that they related themselves onto the process or the ways that they're parented or they start to get angry at themselves. And so it can be really tricky. Uh, Sometimes the inner child, there's such a disconnect because it was not safe to connect to their feelings. So the inner child doesn't, that feels um, unsafe to connect to. So it's a process that um, I help them walk it through during that and also ongoing so I have a meditation they can listen to and I help them connect in many different ways through their emotions um, through pictures through uh, stuffed animal and uh, help them start to learn how to be with themselves in a different way in their emotions uh, and uh, provide that safety uh, to start 
feeling and acknowledging how things impacted them. So how do you help people get over the difficulty of, oh my gosh, I don't know if I want to do something like this with people? Mm -hmm. uh, because I think that's a natural concern. People have a problem. They don't want to have a problem publicly. And then how, how do you actually help people get through that part of it? So initially, it's just um, providing the insight for them around uh, this safe space is actually going to provide uh, the environment that you needed as a child that you didn't get. So where you can share, and as you know, sharing in a safe space heals shame. And uh, and I, uh, I'm very skilled at creating the safe space uh, so they can... Uh, be seen and heard and validated and understood and just all of those ways that they um, can practice being vulnerable will help them heal on a very deep level and just assuring them that no one actually feels comfortable <laughs> at first but that changes quickly where they start to feel the connection they've been craving their whole life uh, with other people who are loving and supportive and cheering them on or under, they under, they're being understood for the first time. Mm -hmm. So it, it, that becomes one of their favorite parts about the program or retreat. So at the risk, that was my own curiosity that was getting a little too deeply into Candida. So I think one of the things that's uh, important to bring up is the fact that the uh, individuals that you've been working with, and indeed the individuals that your husband has been working with on these retreats, many of them have been traumatized and have have significant developmental arrest behind the experience of that trauma and don't know what to do with it and don't know where to take themselves as human beings with that trauma experience. And that's something it sounds like you get into. Yes, definitely. Uh, and the reason why I say your symptoms are a gift is because most people don't know they, are tra they had trauma. Uh, a lot of people that I work with uh, are, are so in their defense that everything was okay, that they didn't acknowledge how traumatic their childhood was or how abusive it was or neglectful it was. And that's why the symptoms, I love working with that, it uh, shows them that there is something for them to address uh, that's unresolved and that wants their attention uh, from their past. Now, do you have them actually work through, you know, I've seen different people do different things and, and I'm certainly not advocating a position. You do this far more than I do because in, in my practice, I just don't do this thing, uh, the kind of things that I'm going to talk about. But I've seen people actually feel that if they had sort of a cathartic theory of mental health, if they get with somebody and express it, that somehow that takes care of it. What's your thought about that? express what well was. like the affect or whatever i mean i've seen people look like that's the be all end all if you just get and express it in some well, somehow do you, know, do you know the name of my 60-day program no <laughs> express what's repressed okay well that's good so it's a step in the right direction <laughs> yes um, but i think if you if you are saying that i'm gonna guess because of who you are as a person that you do far more than that I mean, that's not the end of it. I've had no. people, you know, you're just saying, let's find out what it is mm -hmm. and go from there. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about repressed emotions at the root of chronic 
symptoms, behaviors, and patterns. Mm -hmm. Uh, So in order to heal from that, affirmations and changing your mind isn't going to do it. It's actually expressing and feeling and allowing yourself to um, grieve uh, or to go into depression um, and sadness and anger uh, that was unexpressed. And then Mm -hmm. that uh, like, it does connect them more deeply to their true expression. Uh, so if they're blocked emotionally, they're going to be blocked from their intuition and their inner guidance system and who they really are. So there's uh, tremendous value from um, understanding why we have emotions and their purpose and all emotions are healthy. So it, it helps everyone start processing emotions instead of doing everything to avoid feeling uh, in many different ways. See, that's so articulate and so real. You're really taking them to who they are as a person. Yeah. I think one of the things that I had seen people do is just go and beat a pillow, for example, you know, Mm -hmm. and like, okay, that's it. Okay, you should feel better now because you've had that you've had that cathartic experience. And and what you're saying is it's really more involved than that. It's Yeah, definitely. It's not and that's why so many things don't work for people because they may go to some parts of this process uh, through uh, maybe a weekend course or a therapist or, you know, either, you know, EMDR and EFT are all very useful modalities, but there is a process for each person to learn of how to work with their emotions on an ongoing basis and how Mm -hmm. to respond to them appropriately. And our emotions even tell us when to set boundaries with ourselves and other people. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's a whole, I teach a course that's supported really. It's not, um, a, a, it's more than a therapeutic model. It's an educational based system as well. That sounds interesting. <laughs> so you, I, I would love to have a reparenting school. <laughs> that would be a that would be a great one. I mean, and then the next thing would be how how kids could talk to each other, that sort of thing. You know, oh, where, you have, yeah. where you have a whole uh, peer relationship management situation where they can start as kids in terms of how they manage themselves in the peer group. Yeah. Well, my stepson ha- is addressing that with his company. Oh, is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. He's teaching uh, social emotional. Uh, skills and mindfulness and entrepreneurship and coding skills to um, underprivileged schools. Well, that's interesting. So then the, the question that I'm going to come back with in just a moment, we're going to take a little break here. And, and one of the question I'm going to come back with is how do we then take some of that into our daily lives? Even if we don't go to your program, mm-hmm. what are the things you've learned from the numerous people that you've seen? Maybe one or two concepts that a person can take this, okay, this isn't going to answer everything, but this is some way of thinking about next steps that would be useful for you uh, that, that are, are a beginning. It's not going to be the end. It's not going to be the entire thing, but it's like, here's a way to get started, I guess, is the question that I'll ask in just a moment. Okay. So we'll take a break, folks, and we'll be right back. Well, folks, you know as well as I do that psychiatric treatment failure, especially after multiple medication trials, and those very, very brief hospitalizations may prove insufficient to deal at home with the complexity of troubled children and and those adolescents from 6 to 17 years old. 
Improved care, those next mandatory steps, should include a more comprehensive approach to address those multiple levels of challenges, from family to peers to school, diagnostically from defiance to depression on every level for families, including military families internationally. The Barry Robinson Center's 32-acre open college-like campus in Norfolk, Virginia, provides safety and security and clean, comfortable living. How do we know we refer folks over there all the time, strongly endorse what they're doing? So for further information and informed interview, connect at this page, barryrobinson.org forward slash core. Well, you folks already know that here at Core Brain Journal, we're on a mission to introduce you to resources that make significant contributions to the investigation of those predictable mind science applications. Our colleagues at DHA Lab Group provide a real difference with treatment options for people at every level, from first awareness of mind problems to those frustrating times when even well-informed treatment becomes surprisingly unpredictable. For my entire professional life, from psychoanalysis to brain scans, I've searched for, yes, improved predictability. The good news for all of us, from professionals to patients, remarkably effective research offers useful, cost-effective, organic options far beyond guesswork with psychiatric medications alone. DHA lab tests measure unbalanced biomedical details through easily available testing, now available globally for a variety of molecular answers from, for example, methylation, copper, and cryptopyrrole challenges. Check in for more details at dhalab.com core. That's d-h-a-l-a-b.com forward slash core. Okay, folks, we're back with Alicia Miller, and we are having a very interesting, deep, transformational moment here. We're identifying with those folks that got developmentally arrested sometime in their childhood, and they're having this um, sort of coming out of themselves and really identifying who they actually are and who they want to become and, and how to handle boundaries and so on. Alicia was just talking about it. But the question that I posed just before we took a quick break here with Alicia was, how does a person on the street out in, uh, you know, Bird's Nest, Virginia, uh, start thinking about what they can do with themselves tomorrow to begin that reconstruction process constructively based on what you've seen with the numerous people that you've worked with? Well, I think uh, – the education is key, uh, and I do recommend a couple of books just to become more aware of what uh, our emotional needs are and how they weren't met in order to uh, start connecting to that. Uh, so there's so many great books out there. Uh, there's one on emotions. I think you know most people uh, don't know the <laughs> purpose of anger and there's a lot of beliefs around there that uh, anger is not healthy or it's not uh, you're not a good person or it's because uh, they associate it with violence instead of healthy anger is just a natural emotion that alerts us to say no uh, this doesn't this isn't good for me mm-hmm. um, or that someone's disrespecting or even abusing you and you need uh, healthy anger and oftentimes that's repressed and that's what creates abusive relationships is when it's been repressed so there isn't a healthy anger response to say no uh, so the language of emotions is a great book by carla mcclarn 
um, M-C-L-A-R-E-N. Uh, and she's awesome. She's amazing. She has so many great books on emotions. So I think that's... Well, that's, that's a good start. That's something they can start in bird net, bird's nest. They can start to think about what's going on. Yeah. And to understand the emotional needs and dysfunctional families, a lot of people um, are not aware of what is dysfunctional and what they didn't get that they, that they may ha- that may have impacted them as children. Uh, a very short book on that would be uh, uh, Healing the Child Within mm-hmm. by Charles Whitfield. Mm-hmm. And then I love Alice Walker's um, work as well. So the um, the drama of the gifted child. Mm-hmm. I'm writing these down madly. <laughs> That's great. Thank you very much. We'll get them in the show notes. Those are great ideas. So the other thing that occurred to me then was a little to take this a little bit further. I know there's a little bit of a um, gender split, but please correct me on this because. I think my experience is that women can be just as tight as guys about the denial of underlying vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Uh, that they uh, guys are certainly more prone to it, just because it's not a guy thing. Mm-hmm. And the whole counterdependency thing that I was talking about with the heroin addict, mm-hmm. uh, like I'm okay, and you know, and of course, you know, his wife got the Mercedes, and he went to we went to prison, so. Uh, you know, the, <laughs> the issue there is uh, how do you then help a person, a lot of times an individual who feels like they've been victimized and is in pain, is more vulnerable and open to talking about the pain as it has occurred to them from a victim point of view. Mm-hmm. But I think one of the harder things to deal with, and, and I'd be interested in your remarks or thoughts about this, is the challenge of counterdependent individuals who really underlying are counterdependent because of their underlying vulnerability and push people away and take commandeering roles. I don't know anybody in politics like that. Uh, <laughs> take, take serious counterdependent control things instead of actually identifying what the underlying vulnerabilities are. So do you have any thoughts about that, that whole process? Yes. Uh, and you're right. It, that's the, gender or the traditional male versus female um it's you can see the commonality out there of men who have they're totally disconnected from what they need they don't know what they need they don't they can't ask for it uh but they try to get it in more demanding ways um and then a traditional woman um would be one that uh, totally gives up her needs for the other person mm-hmm. um, and uh, and is scared to ask for what she needs or doesn't get um, the response that she needs uh, if she asks because a lot and both are typically coming from toxic shame uh, and that's a whole other term that we can define but mm-hmm. uh, the, there's so the shaming of emotions is the problem really. So men feel shame for having emotions typically, uh, you know, that men uh, don't cry. Um, 
and they're called all kinds of names and get beat up for being vulnerable. And they, they do have it worse than women in our society to show emotions and to be sensitive. Um, and, and so that the, their natural emotions are shamed. And so they uh, feel shame for, you know, not being what the woman needs and having these needs and not being able to express themselves. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the woman uh, responds in a, in a different way to shame where she has to perform or be perfect and uh, do everything. So, uh, and neither one of them maybe don't have access to really how they're truly feeling and how to uh, ask what, for what they need. Uh, based on how they feel. So that is a very interesting point. I mean, you know, the way you amplified on that, I, you, you, you hear uh, very often people talk about uh, toxic shame, but, I, but that last little wrinkle is such an important point. You know, the shame of the emotions in the first place, mm -hmm. whatever yeah. they happen to be. Mm -hmm. You know, instead of dealing with them and understanding their underlying value as, as a gift, as you say in your book, mm -hmm. where you're going somewhere with this understanding as opposed to just working, you know, negating it and or dancing around it one way or another. Yeah. It, even our uh, needs were shamed uh, oftentimes as children of, you know, not being asked what we wanted and being told what, what, how to feel or what we should do. And, or uh, all, I see, I work with a lot of clients who, were the caretakers to their parents because their parents were wounded and uh, needed them to be there for them and make them happy. And mm -hmm. so uh, that totally is an abandonment of their, who they are and they abandoned what they want. So it's a process of reconnecting to, yeah, what do I want? How do I feel? And responding from that place. And that's your authentic self. That's everyone's authentic self of like, um, moving from feeling loved and validated for, you know, what you're doing or um, being there for other people or how you look and how much money you make to, um, to valuing your emotions and, and taking care of your emotional needs. And then that kind of reclaims your self-worth um, for not based on what you do, uh, but based on how you feel. Yeah, so the validity, who you are as a person is you're just in contact with yourself as a person mm -hmm. as opposed to living someone else's life. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is who I am. This is what I feel. This is how I think. And so, and it's credible and it's not uncredible. Then the issue is how do I then use it effectively to guide myself through a contributory life? Where can I go with my life with this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very, yeah. very doggone interesting. I mean, I hadn't quite heard about it that way before. I mean, it was interesting how often I got, and when I heard others talk about it, into the cathartic experience as an endpoint. And that's why I brought it up earlier, because yeah. it's sort of like, if you just experience it, that somehow, then, and Freud was with this. Now, he, Freud threw out the cathartic theory of mental health before 1900. <laughs> he said, you know, that's not going to do it. That's why we're going to do this psychoanalysis thing. We're going to get down to the, and uh, so I thought that was, that was interesting, but it's, it's one of those things that we see all the time. Yeah. So well, then Carl Jung was more aligned with, you know, going into the darkness and, you know, it was, it's all about the soul and the soul's expression. And 
Yeah, I was a hair's breadth away from becoming a Jungian analyst. Mm. Ah. I, I went to Switzerland and I was thinking about it and uh, went to his shop there. I, I, I think it was in Zurich. I can't remember now, but mm. it, was a, it was another tour because, of course, he had the more spiritual transformational portion of it where you actually yeah. – and the whole archetype things and you, you really – think about who you are in your in your message mm -hmm. so what's our takeaway let's first of all let's talk about how we can connect with you and uh this will be on the show notes but alicia just uh, fill us on a little bit on that and we'll we'll get tightened up with that point sure uh you can find me on my website and pretty much all social media under alicia e-l-i-c-i-a miller and my website's aliciamiller.com to learn more about the core emotional healing model and my extensive journey uh, personally and professionally you can uh, go to uh, aliciamiller.com backslash free dash webinar See, that's going to be great. I mean, we're going to have that on the show notes in case you didn't. If you're riding in the car and heard Alicia say that, it's going to be sitting right there on the show notes. And and uh, I, I have to look at it. I'm looking forward to it because this has been such an interesting conversation. I mean, you know, it's funny. Having been around the mental health field for a long period of time, You, what happens, I think the slow but sure core change that's taking place is that we're looking at the reality of the internal evolution of people and facilitating that as opposed to uh, guiding it and telling them what to do. Yeah. I think so much of medicine has been a vertical management thing, like, you know, this is screwed up, do this, or you're sick, take this, or whatever. And, and your mission is a really very, it's a very worthy one, as, as I'm sure our listeners will agree. It's mm -hmm. how do you find yourself and, and do something with that? How do you actually fulfill yourself emotionally and, uh, and spiritually in mm -hmm. a contributory way for humankind. How do you actually do that? And, and you have to know yourself to do that, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And both you and I are helping people look at symptoms in a more empowering way and not feel victimized by it, but, you know, using it as a, another uh, support, you know, messenger for you of saying, hey, you know, there's something for you to address that's not about your symptom. It's about how you're not living to your fullest potential. Yeah. That is so well said. What, what, a, what a delightful place to end. Yeah. So, Alicia, thank you so much for coming on board. It's been a great conversation. If yeah, you, I loved it. If you think of something that you want to talk about down the road, I mean, if you want to go more deeply into experiences of toxic shame, Ooh. I would be happy to do it with you because it would be very instructive. I've learned a lot from this, and I just appreciate you coming on board. Awesome. Yeah, I would love to. Thanks so much for having me here. I really enjoyed talking with you, Chuck. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Core Brain Journal. We're working every day behind the scenes to bring you reports that connect research benches with those street trenches. Here we share the complexity of mind science because, as you know, details really do matter. One of the most pervasive, misunderstood challenges is how commonplace medications, like those written for ADHD, are used so regularly without clear guidelines. If you think you'd like more specifics, take a minute to download my two-page PDF packed with video links and references on the absolute essentials of how to start ADHD medications. They're easily available at 
corebrainjournal.com forward slash start. Thanks for listening. Do connect and stay tuned. Together we can make a difference.